Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Hello. Hello. How are you? Nothing's on fire. How are you? I'm fine. (laughs) (sighs) It's a good day. It's a good day to die. (laughs) I don't really want to, but you know, if I had to, today's as good a day as any. Yeah, any day is as good as any, really. We could be ancestors any minute now. (laughs) I was going to say, that's a hell of a way to introduce the topic. (laughs) Let's just be elders first. How about that? Oh, gosh. Let me know when I'm ready to be an elder. All right. Where the fuck is Janet? (laughs) I don't know where the fuck Janet is. We're we're not starting over a second time though. All right. We're, Wait, we didn't start over a first time. What are you talking no, about? We should do bloopers. <laughs> I think about that with what in the weird all the time. That I, I, <laughs> I wish we had bloopers for the intro and outro things that I recorded for the podcast because I recorded them like 15 times each. Aww. And they all like they all cut off at some point where I like misspoke a word or yep. Uh, tripped over and went fuck yes then, yes yeah. I do that with my when you know when you create like a voicemail greeting a professional voicemail greeting <laughs> I, man, yep. it's forever it's forever um but no I'm not OCD <laughs> um so let's see here I'm gonna see if I can uh round up Janet and so for today, we are going to talk a bit about ancestors as it pertains to animism. Um, I'm also going to quickly ask Janet if she's coming. <laughs> are you sure we're not starting this over? <laughs> I am determined not to. <laughs> I'm um, fine. Yeah, it's fine. And nothing's on fire, including this podcast. Um, (laughs) I have been thinking a lot about ancestors this month for obvious reasons to, I'm sure you, is it obvious? Perhaps you should say, um, let me really quickly, we are going to have to start over because Janet doesn't seem to have got the invite and this is such a good, okay. I am going to stop this recording, but we are keeping it. And I'm putting it in the beginning, and then we're gonna we're we're gonna I love you too. I'm gonna go. We're gonna go find Janet, and we'll be back. We really will after this message from our sponsor. (laughs) Yes. Take two. Hello. How are you? (laughs) Nothing's on fire. Are you sure? Maybe you should check again. (laughs) I think I should check again. Okay. (laughs) Hi there, how y'all doing? Janet! <laughs> you gotta love technology, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one word for it. <laughs> Excellent. We now have a three-minute intro that is just uh, the Brandis and Kelly comedy show. Oh my oh, god. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> oh my god. So, ancestors, huh? Ancestors. 
Yes. So I, I was saying right before I realized, I think Janet wasn't going to make it into the first or second try that, uh, ancestors have been on my mind this month for a lot of reasons one of them um, being the seasonal shift like we're heading into the midpoint in mid-ish point in autumn or Samhain and um, which which is sort of centered around ancestors which some of whom are the people who died before us in our lineage um so I wonder what's been coming up for everybody around this month and ancestors. And also I, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, why is this time of year? I don't, I don't think I'm wondering why, but also like thinking about, you know, how I conceptualize why this is the time of year that we think about them um, more intentionally as well. Well, I mean, from the typical American upbringing, we're indoctrinated to think this is the spooky time of the year. You know, anything that is dark and chilly and forbidding is just automatically ascribed this death quality. And so I think that's where it comes from for me. And it's sort of the foyer into the holidays where you start realizing you're missing some people. Yeah. That's, that's very true. And I think it follows, you know, the nature process as well, too. If, I mean, we're in the Northern Hemisphere and we're, we're, we're heading into winter. So it is this logical, right? The last bit of everything has kind of died off by the time we hit Samhain. Um, which, should we talk about what that is? I think, you know, for any- I think we should talk about that because we planned to talk about it when it happens we had four okay okay so we'll talk a little bit more it's but i mean in general it's october 31st ish and um it is sort of for me i think of it mostly as a midway point from like autumn to winter and it is that point where like the last of the last of the things die off and we kind of take a moment to think about those we've lost um and ancestors i mean those are that goes back so much further even in terms mm-hmm. of the people we lost the people they lost and you know the loss that we all we all carry forward i wonder um how the two of you conceptualize that in terms of animism i have a really short answer for that and that is responsibility we are just as responsible for the past and the future as we are for now. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to conceptualize because, you know, we've been brought up at least in the American culture to live in such a vacuum. I mean, it, it considering we're considered this, you know, Christian nation, which, you know, we weren't originally, um, we're actually right. very stripped of the animistic aspects of life. And, and one of the core aspects of animism is that like all time is now, there really is no past or no future. It's all right now. And that means your ancestors are now also. So we have a responsibility for making sure that they are okay. And mm-hmm. if they're not okay, we are not okay. And some of that is so validated by, I mean, 
it's validated by the parts of us that are genetically altered by those who came before us. Like we carry the traumas we carry. I mean, we carry all of it Mm -hmm. to be, you know, which will continue to be, I'm sure verified scientifically in all these, you know, really amazing and terrifying ways, Mm -hmm. but we do literally carry them with us while they also are existing. Sorry, go ahead, Janet. Um, And I think, yes, to the responsibility and that we carry them with us. And for me, it's also community because what I'm realizing as I'm learning more about my ancestors is that, um, yeah, there are a lot of them that don't have the same ideas and, you know, thoughts that I do, but there are some that do, actually a lot that do. And those are the ones that I can depend on for help in my everyday. And I can just say, okay, I'm having an issue with X, Y, and Z. Can the ancestor who has worked with that successfully before come forward and give me some ideas? And I love that idea of connection that the line is not broken. Sometimes you have to search for it, but the line is there. And my experience anyway with the ancestors, um, those who have a, uh, are helping me with doing what I do, that they're there, they've got my back, and they're waiting for me to ask so they come forward. I think it's worth saying that that's not 101 animism. Not now. Like back in if we had gotten this version of perfect animism, we would have the ability to do everything you just said, Janet. But at this point, that has been relegated to our shamans, to our people who specifically seek out how to do that work. But it doesn't mean there aren't things that you can do on your own. I think the bottom line is, if you feel like that there's unrest in your ancestral lines, and we should probably talk about what that unrest would look like, then you should go to somebody who does this for help. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think also where you were talking about, you know, responsibility, Kelly also comes into where our ancestors aren't automatically carrying all of the answers by a long shot. And they, there are, we, I, from my perspective, I think of it in this two directional way in which I can reach backward for whatever wisdom was gathered and is held by ancestors who lived well and died well. But by the same token, I have ancestors before me in this animistic way that, you know, we acknowledge that all things exist and have agency. Those ancestors are also existing and reaching forward for the things they were unable to heal and were unable to to fix remedy they weren't able to grow to a certain point that they're reaching forward to me for those things and i for me that's where the responsibility comes in so does that make sense yeah and when would you want to talk with an ancestor versus a spirit guide that's a question that comes up a lot in my circles I think for me, um, I reach for, for healthy ancestors for guidance. Um, for me, that's when I can identify that whatever's hurting or wherever I feel lost is very internal. And that, and sometimes even that it isn't mine. Like sometimes I feel that a healthy ancestor is someone that I can hold space for and welcome in as a counterpoint to where I'm also holding my unhealthy ancestors within me or 
carrying some of that and that some of it, I mean, that's where we have to be careful about responsibility versus blame versus carrying shame and blame because those can be paralyzing and they can impede our ability to do that forward reaching healing work. So I, I think I look for where I'm carrying things that aren't mine. I'm looking for reassurance that I have something in me that can get me through something. And when I'm looking for spirit helpers, spirit guides, um, that's where I feel like I'm reaching for a resource outside of myself where I'm, I'm asking for earth and for nature and for all, you know, all of it. Um, for the answer that might not already reside within me. Does that, that I like sense? that Brandy. I think it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> what about you two in terms of that? that delineation I like the way that you said it I think you said it so well so I'm going to just piggyback on that and say yes I agree and what Brandy said I think the short version for me is I recognize that this is an ancestral issue when I throw everything I've got healing wise at something and it doesn't alleviate not even a little bit like if something shifts Mm -hmm. a little bit you've gotten something but if it, if it just never shifts at all or it never seems to have any progressive impact, it's not yours. And, and you're not going to, to heal it through any um, self-adaptive route. And for me, I go to, I go to the ancestors all the time now. Actually, I don't, I don't really approach my spirit guides often at all. But um, I feel like they are more earthly aware they have survived living through the circumstances of soul and form they are aware of the laws of nature and how we can best interact with them and how we can royally fuck up with them and they have that lived experience that spirit allies don't have like guides that people think of in terms of these higher if not deity beings they don't have that awareness they have this this incredible, detached, almost emotionless, just get it done attitude. And ancestors have a lot more nuance in understanding why things aren't just coming to pass. So I feel a lot more connection to their savvy than just some being who's like, yeah, just do this. Yeah, and I think um, also for me, I was thinking too, spirit allies or you know all the other things other than ancestors um sometimes they're what i reach for first and and like you said like you've thrown the kitchen sink at it sometimes that includes going and accessing every other ally available to me and shit doesn't shift and i i realize i'm carrying it's in the skin i'm wearing that was the skin of everyone before me And I need to go to those people and either look for where they're reaching to me for they're reaching to me to, you know, remedy some aspect of it. Um, Or I need to reach back and find the person who already has the tool that's already available to me, you know, within that lineage. I think they're saying this is not animism 101. 
And and I, I right. think it kind of should be like like at some point we would have had an awareness because we would have been culturally situated such that everyone had the same awareness of the role that ancestors played and we wouldn't be having to honor them alone. We would have community support in how we support our ancestors and, and keep them and their influence helpful. And so I, I do feel like we can get to that point, though. You can go to someone who does ancestral healing to help you get to the point of being connected with well ancestors, as opposed to the potential thousands of years of unhealed ancestors. And maybe we should talk about why they wouldn't be healed. But you can work with somebody to get to that point and be educated so that you can take the baton and continue that work and sustain the relationship. I love that idea of taking the baton and carrying it on. It's so um, comforting and hopeful for me. Yeah. I like the, I like the passing of the baton too, or even um, like in that way that like it, it all exists simultaneously. Like we we've constructed time as a thing. I mean, can I, you know, I look for ways in which can I be one of the lived well ancestors who's helping carry what all those other well ancestors are already carrying. Like it's, it can be of comfort to recognize where, you know, just because we're, I mean, I'm, I'm very aware recently on a personal level of where I carry a lot of really toxic shit, just being a white person. And that a lot of that's ancestral and um, it can be paralyzing to recognize that like there is so much toxicity in my ancestral line and to not be, you know, fall into a place of shame around it, which is not a place of action. Um, And that's where that sort of like ancestors reaching forward to me. Um, in the way that I've heard some people talking about ancestral work in terms of I am, you know, I'm here, the person that my ancestors have called forward to do the next bit of the work kind of thing. So that even when I'm not reaching for the well ancestor, whatever is being handed to me is work to do right now. And for, for me, that just like having something actionable and understanding where I'm at in the process that I'm not just being handed a mess, but I'm being handed the next step in the mess um, can be a little, whatever the opposite of paralyzed is. I forgot words. It's okay. Words are not a big deal. Yeah. They're not a big deal. You know, when we we first started talking about ancestors in the intensive, and I first started learning about this, it, it scared me because I'm going, how am I supposed to know this? And just as a practical tool, one of the things that helped me was just literally to go online and look at, you know, like ancestry and start researching my ancestors and seeing what we had in common, where we had in common, and if we didn't, where that was. And then one of the things that happened from that research was that it started jogging my memory of family stories And I think that um, in learning about this, that was one of the things that I found really helpful and something that I could hang on to and also decide, okay, is this ancestor um, one that is of toxicity or is this ancestor one that is um, going to help me move forward? 
Yeah. And I, I, when I, I also want to offer like to those listening and to people who, because I come from a very broken lineage and I don't know a lot of my lineage and um, a lot of it is not going to be possible for me to know. Um, I think it's also important to look at where ancestral lines are not just um, that there's a lot to it. I mean, sure. It's like literally the, that DNA chain that leads down to you. Um, but we also carry, I mean, the people who raised us and the people who raised them who are not always biologically connected. And um, those lines are just so complicated. So um, I have found some clarity in doing like the ancestry DNA and just getting an idea of like regionally where I'm likely from or where my people are likely from. But knowing that like for me, knowing their names and faces and their stories is, is likely not in the cards for me. Just that those webs are, those webs have a lot of different strands, I guess. It's because I, I feel like that, that can get overwhelming for me. The idea that like the way for me to unravel my ancestors is to find them and literally and tangibly. And that's not where my ancestral work largely lies, but there's still a lot of work to do there. Find what you can, and and that can be genealogical, it can be DNA, but those resources are deeply biased, not just that they right. favor, you know, wealthy, white, privileged peoples. Uh, you know, if you didn't have papers, then nobody can, you're not going to be in a database anywhere. You know, you're not going to be in census data anywhere. And that's a huge gap in trying to do genealogical research, and it's a huge gap in doing DNA research because mm-hmm. the only the only mapping DNA services can give you is who their customer base is. They can't, you know, they're not drawing from these, you know, far out, you know, ancient DNA sources. I mean, some say they are, but they're ultimately relying on the pool of people who is their customer base to give back, you know, to mirror the data that they get from them. So, I mean, those right. resources are deeply biased in many ways do you absolutely have ancestors that are not in your bloodline there are people who you know you know raised you know children who were not their birth children but they're also land spirits there's a lot of overlap between people mm-hmm. making an almost marriage like relationship to land spirits and and that bond lasting for thousands of years across generations of a family those show up as ancestors as well and i and i also think too um that when you broaden and like go when you go back far enough like we evolved from a from a singular point Mm -hmm. as a species so there i mean there's just And that to me is sort of how I reconcile that a lot of my, you know, my family tree is like a bush had a baby with a tree and there's like five species intertwined in all the branches. And for me, that's very complicated when I try to look at it from it it, with ancestral work. But the thing is like, we all came from the same, there's some connection there, even if I would have to go back millennia to find it. There is a connection and there's also change, you know, like one of the, this is from a a deeper perspective of this work, but about, I don't know, six, eight months ago, 
one of the encounters that I had was to go back to the origin of of humanity like you know whatever the being was that first crawled forward and said I'm a human and realizing people still live on that land you know there are people now in the present living on the spot that that first human emerged and and I had a conversation with um, a young man who lives on that land and it was interesting because even he was like it's not the same. The land isn't the same anymore. We, we are not the same species and the land spirits are not the same land spirits. So we have this like romanticized right. idea that we're going to not only trace it all perfectly and it's, the knots are all going to be clear, but that it's all going to neatly converge back to a singular point in time when it, none of it works that way. It, it, it is an incredibly nonlinear pursuit and experience and I think the more loosely we can hold that the more uh, deeply we're going to find ancestors that we connect with absolutely and I I think that can be um I think it can be frustrating for someone who wants a straight line backward but I think it can be deeply comforting for people who either don't need that straight line or um or recognize that it's not available to them um because, I mean, anybody who would have, first of all, that line can only go so far back, literally. But also, like, if you could literally trace your entire lineage, you know, back to some astronomically far back place with names and dates. I mean, it just is an indicator of such, like, astronomical privilege and, it is. and it is. advantage. Because, gosh, who who has been, I mean, it's just it's so unlikely and it's, it's, it's just up at the top of Everest in terms of yeah, like, it is. it's not a the likelihood that you would have expectation. That. And the people who say that I'm like, I don't know. I mean, that's cool and all. And, and I would love to have that kind of, you know, unbroken lineage that's traceable, but you know, the reason it's traceable is because your paper had, your people had papers, your people had papers. And, and right. that means that they were relatively well off or they had some kind of bypass that allowed them to stay enough in the system to be traced. Yeah. And I think um, the other thing that I'm thinking too, is like, we were talking about, you know, you carry, we carry the trauma of those before us in our DNA. So the thing is the people that raise you, you, you know, where you experience trauma in your life is handed down. Mm-hmm. I, so, I mean, there's just, there are just a million ways to be linked. So I, I just wanted to have that nuance to the conversation about what ancestors actually are. But then in terms of animism, I guess to try and give people something tangible around this, you know, what are some ways that we engage with ancestors? And, and I realize we're not in a one-on-one territory, um, but is there an entry point we can give people who are just exploring animism and want to engage in that in some ancestral understanding or ancestral work? The first thought that comes to my mind is that um, my grandmother, my father's dad, or my yeah, my father's mother, really loved plants, 
and I do too, house plants. And so we've got that in common. So a lot of times when I'm watering my plants or, you know, working with my plants, repotting, whatever, she will come to mind. And it's a, it's a connection that I really appreciate and adore because we were very close when she was alive. I love that. I have, um, actually on that note, my great grandmother, um, had hens and chicks and I still have a very hearty, uh, little colony of, um, little community on my back deck of descendants of her hens and chicks. So for me, I, I literally sometimes will just prune and tend and like fiddle with them and, and really kind of hold that lineage as well, or like hold her, hold some respect for her, for people who kind of shaped me going forward. I think that that is exactly the way that we, from a brass tacks way, connect with our ancestors. You can't connect with this unknown mass. And so there has to be some kind of familiarity, whether it is literally a known loved one that has died, you know, someone that you really knew in your life that, that was kind and you had a bond with, that's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't think- know somebody, I feel like there are still um, aspects of your own character and personality that you can assess and just say, I want to sit with this kind of thing about me. And I want to do this to attract working with ancestors who also have this attribute. Yes. Yes. I love that. One of the things that I did um, when I was first starting researching my family and I was working on the grandmothers, which I couldn't find because they're women and that they're not papered, right? They're the extension of of the husband or the man. And um, so what I did was I went back, I think four generations and I just had a pretend tea party in real life. And what I did was I just got different kinds of teas And I just invited the grandmothers and said, okay, you know, Sunday at whatever time, um, anybody who wants to come is welcome to come to this tea party. And I had some tea ready and I just sat down and just was open to whatever, whoever would come and however they would be received. And it was really fun to do. It was in one sense, a stretch of my imagination to be able to take that in in real life, so to speak. And it's one thing that I'm really glad that I did. And I'm going to do it again sometime. I think that is a really good thing to do. I mean, that's ultimately, you know, it's partly to process grief, but you know, that kind of ritual is why people visit gravestones. That's why they maintain the flowers. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, we're, um, we're getting pretty lengthy, but I, I want to say too, in terms of that, like, the ancestors who didn't, you know, maybe died with stuff unhealed, um, that they, that they do reach forward. Um, I want to say that on my end, personally, that work comes into understanding what sort of oppressive stuff my ancestral line, uh, participated in either actively or simply by way of not, addressing it or not stepping out of it and you know the privilege I'm carrying forward um, to just learn a lot about what I inevitably am carrying with me in terms of unhealed ancestors simply due to being white and uh, other aspects of privilege but white is you know 
definitely like a lineage thing. And um, so for me, I feel like that's part of my ancestral work too, is to learn about what I'm carrying and to find ways to put it down. And when I do try to find ways to put it down, I do try to connect with the parts of me that are, you know, maybe waiting for me to do that work because they didn't find a way to do it while they were here and to kind of carry my ancestral line through that work so that hopefully there's healing done in the process. That's what I was going to say. Like how, how does in modern animus live in a way that makes them a good ancestor? Like I have my, exactly. my tagline response to that is you live in such a way that you're a fit elder so that upon death, you are a well and bright ancestor. But what does that look yeah. like, you know, in, in, brass tacks what does that mean because i don't think people know i think it means and moving I, out of your comfort zone and i and a lot of it is in that know better and then do better kind of yes. thing. because we're never going to be done like we, ancestral work is never done we're i mean Not we, for, we'll yeah. just never be done with it and 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 addressing you know big overarching things like oppression and and the things that our ancestral lines carry um either on the receiving or divvying out end of oppression and those kind of things. Um, we'll, we're not going to eradicate it in our lifetime either, very likely, but will we have done the work? Will we have done our part of the work toward it? Right. And that that is very much on my mind around ancestral work for me. So I, I wanted to offer that as well. That's an aspect of elderhood that I feel like a lot of people in the new age and even, you know, more grounded spiritual voice forget. And that is, if you're being a really good elder, you're not going to see the end of your work. You're not going to live to see the outcome of everything that you've created. And that's the whole point. Right. It's that is right. Part of it is like, yeah, you're, I mean, you're creating space for the person after you. Like if you do all the work, what is the next person going to do? But also like, the work is so much bigger than just one person. We should do a show on elderhood also. Oh, good idea. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'll write it down quick. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, we are way over time, but this, I, uh, yeah, I feel like I didn't know what I was going to say today. And then I said some stuff. You did say some stuff. The words did come. Yay. <laughs> awesome. I, uh, sorry about the technical difficulties, whatever occurred there, but we got some funny stuff out of it. I'm totally still leaving it in <laughs> and I'm glad that Janet eventually showed up and she's here. Me too. And, yes. um, and I'm very appreciative for, of, of you two for where I think we are all supporting each other in trying to make sure that we live well so that we can die well and that we can be ancestors agreed thank you for the good ancestors things back at you brandy thank you the humility you deal all right everybody have a good week we'll see you all for our next one and in the meantime all of you go know better and do better take care everybody take good care bye-bye bye Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.